Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon FXBG Public Radio or its sponsors. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Music to you, Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon FXBG Public Radio or its sponsors. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman. So let's uh, let's just go ahead and get started. I gave you a warning. All right, so let's uh, start with our weekends. Uh, apparently I found a razor. Found a razor. Those of you who are watching can see I'm bald now. All right, so uh, weekend. So here's something that happened. It's a great. Whoa, what happened to my head? I'm all, I'm all super white now. Anyway, so here's a crazy weekend story. Um, so I'm working at this pizza place. A uh, guy comes in. He orders two small pizzas, and uh, he said his girl would be coming in to join him. Um, <clears throat> he gets a fountain drink and he sits down. All right, so he's got, uh, he waits for over an hour, and when his pizzas come out, we, we keep him on the oven, keep him hot for his girl. And uh, so he's sitting there, and he's waiting for like an hour, just drinking from the little plastic cup and waiting for her to show up. She finally shows up, you know, and I've got deliveries. I'm going here and there, going everywhere. And, uh, but it's still kind of slow at this point. Um, she finally comes in. They eat. They spend about 90 minutes there eating just and talking. And so I got a delivery coming up, and I'm packing up, ready to go. And I hear just no, no, no. And I see this girl backing up away from the table, kicking away her chair. She's got the plastic cup that's got a little bit of ice in it. And then she says, "You don't break up with me, nigga," and throws it, throws the plastic cup at her. Her words, not mine. Anyway, so I don't know about you who have uh, may have been in fracas a time or two, or if you've been in the military, seen some shit. Um, there's a there's a moment where everything goes matrix like uh, because the adrenaline starts hitting you and time starts to slow down and uh, as the cup gets thrown I'm going into this matrix mode and you'll see the see the plastic cup hit off the wall the dude dodges it hits off the wall it's just spraying as you know slow mo ice is spraying over him the cup bounces off the wall bounces off the trash can off the floor and starts doing this beautiful parabolic arc just flipping in slow motion and any anybody who's been in a fracas or knows you know something's going about to go down you know you see the way the uh, ceiling fan is spinning me and my friend you know these guys who had seen some shit you know we all look at each other like oh this is this is going to happen this way and the cup falls into the ceiling fan gets knocked straight <laughs> into this girl's face and she just completely misplaced her shit after that and so we, like, two of us had to run up and, like, get this couple out. It was like, sorry, you know, can't be doing this here. You got to go. You got to go. So I had my deliveries. I go, and they're still fighting in the parking lot. I go to my delivery. I come back, and they're fighting in a different area of the parking lot. They're fighting over near the uh, a bar, you know. <laughs> go on another delivery. I come back. They're fighting in front of the food line. I leave again. I see him walking away from the food line. And she's following behind him, and he's got this look in his eyes like, oh, God, help me. And, you know, what can you do? And so, um, and she's behind him, following behind him. He's screaming, just leave me alone. 
and she's screaming, you know, you're a, pa you're a pathetic motherfucker with a tiny dick, you know, shit like that. Anyway, I come back again, and the cops are, are in the parking lot, they're talking to them, I see the girl in handcuffs, and I'm just like, what the hell? Um, eventually the cop came in and told us everything that happened. And, um, he said basically this, it's like the dude wanted to break up with this girl. So he took her here to Danny's and break up and wanted to break up with her. And so, uh, she couldn't accept it. And she harassed him for those four hours, just over and over again in public, assaulted him, like hitting him numerous times. And, uh, the cop said, you know, she's going to jail. And so I can't help feel sorry for the guy. I really can't, you know, um, it'd just be crazy sometimes. And, you know, they don't know how to act, you know. And so the whole point of him staying in public is he needed witnesses because it's not like he ever laid a hand to, to her because, you know, as soon as he did anything, even catching her by the wrists or something like that, it could seriously turn the wrong way for him. And this is the kind of the world we live in today. And I, I felt bad for the guy because, I mean, I'm 42 and single, and uh, I don't know about you, but this whole... You know, witnessing this whole experience uh, made me kind of happy to be 42 and single. I mean, obviously, I'd love to be loved, but, I mean, there's so many crazy chicks out there like that. There's so many. They don't know how to act. And whether heart, I know heartbreak is tough, but they, you don't know how to act, you know? And the way the laws are in this country, you know, a guy can't protect himself. If he does, he gets in trouble, unless he becomes transgender. Hmm. Anyway, so that's my uh, crazy weekend story. If, uh, if you want, if you have any crazy stories, you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. Yeah. Yeah, you can. All right, so uh, God rest Kobe Bryant and his daughter. I'm sure you've all heard that, um, that he, uh, he passed away in a helicopter crash with his daughter. And there's a, a few other less significant people. Um, if there's one thing I've learned in my time in the military, it's that the most dangerous vehicle ever devised by man is the helicopter. All right. So in, so in many ways, if you ever, if you get onto a helicopter of your own free will, I think that that's on you because you should know how dangerous those things are. I mean, I know of plenty of people who have died or been in helicopter crashes and survived a lot more survived, which is, it's kind of good. You're, you're, you're likely to, more likely to survive a helicopter crash than any other type of crash, I think. Anyway, but helicopters crash every day. So, uh, and no one gives a shit. You know, they crash, they crash every day until, like, Kobe Bryant crashes in a helicopter. And people don't give a shit about helicopter crashes until they won't, they won't kill, care about uh, helicopter crashes again until Bill Burr's inevitable death. I think he's going to die in a helicopter crash. Mark my words. Anyway, seriously though, um, how many helicopters got, got a crash before uh, we realized even Da Vinci can have a bad idea? Anyway, seriously, prayers for the Bryant family, seriously, and all the other insignificant people who don't matter as much as Kobe Bryant. And we'll be honest, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant is definitely an important figure, and, you know, uh, because a legend in basketball. And, I, you know, there was a time when people thought there's like there's nobody who could be like Joe, uh, what's his name, uh, Michael Jordan. You know, and Kobe, you know, became his own thing. You know, Jordan was Jordan and Kobe was Kobe. And so it's very relevant. I'm not into basketball. I don't really like basketball, but I can, you cannot un, not know that name. Kobe Bryant. 
God rest him. And so, um, that's bad. Lovely. Putting the mic in the shot, I guess. All right. It needs to be, because you're too far away from it. Okay. Now I can hear you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, listen to how warm your voice well, sounds. Wait until I get, uh, get ranting. It's going to sound hmm. beautiful. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. God rest. Kobe Bryant. Sorry, Kobe Bryant and his family. But think of, I, I was thinking about this when, uh, uh, when I heard how he was 41, I think, when he died. And, uh, and uh, I think, you know, I'm just, I'm one year older than him. And so I was just like, you know, I haven't accomplished as much as Kobe Bryant has. And think, think about the life that you lived up to 40, you know, Kobe Bryant lived up to 40. Have you done anything as great as what Kobe Bryant has done? No, I don't think so. Very few people have. Not me. And so, that, I mean, that's why we recognize and we, we mourn together. Because a sports hero is a sports hero. You know. Just like Wade Boggs. Got rest his soul. Anyway. I know he's not dead. Relax. Relax. What do you want, boss? Huh? You've seen that Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. episode. Yeah. I love that episode. They're trying to beat the Wade Boggs record. Charlie wins. You, ro you roped it, dude. I love that. Who else Who else would be able to do it? It took a ride in Merrick-a-round. <laughs> 77 beers. It's impossible. It would literally, literally kill you. You'd be dead. Yeah, it would literally kill you. I don't care how long that flight is. And because of the pressurization, the beers would be ridiculously cold. They would be like ice chunks. That's what makes it even extra hard. Anyway, wow, I burned through the first two, two topics here. Um, so here's the thing. I think that Joe Rogan is Oprah now. I mean, over the last year, Joe has had uh, a number of episodes fe featuring, uh, candidates like Tulsi Gabbard and even Bernie Sanders. And I've been wanting to comment on this for, for a while now, because I really thought it was a bold move for him to do that, to have, um, people like Tulsi. I, did he have Andrew Yang on there? I'm not sure. I mean, it's one thing with Ben Shapiro has Andrew Yang on. That's one thing. But when Joe Rogan has a politician on there, like Tulsi Gabbard or Bernie Sanders, see, I don't know if it's a video game I was thinking of or if he actually, if Andrew Yang was actually on Rogan. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I thought it was a very bold move. Um, and so I know Joe Rogan has been uh, caught some flack because the Bernie Sanders campaign um, uh, posted like a clip of his video saying that he was going to vote for, excuse me, vote for, probably vote for Bernie Sanders, which is a, a Rogan endorsement. And from what I've seen, it's like, I don't think Rogan objects and I don't think he should. I mean, he has a right to his own opinion and has a right to express who, you know, he wants to vote for. As wrong as, as wrong as Rogan is, that's fine. He has every right to do that and put his support behind whoever. But here's the thing, is that it's come up in the political process. People are talking about, it's like, oh, you know, Sanders, you know, assumes Rogan supports him, you know, uh, or because, and Joe Rogan gives a platform to people like Gavin McInnes and, and Milo Yiannopoulos and, and these hate mongers, quote unquote, hate mongers. And, uh, and that's wrong of Joe Rogan or something like that to have a, have a, 
a discussion with somebody who is who thinks differently. You know, it's it, it's ridiculous. What I do think is interesting is that because Joe Rogan has the num- like the number one podcast in America, if you ask me. I mean, I don't know what else is. I mean, other than Shapiro, or, doesn't matter. It's the most entertaining podcast in America, if you ask me. Um, it's slightly slightly better than my show. That being said, it's um, um, it's interesting because it's re- relevant in the political process. People are talking about it like, hey, if Oprah said that she wanted to vote for somebody, that would be culturally relevant. And that means that podcasting has become culturally relevant in our, in our world. And that puts us on the map in the new, in the new forum of uh, people ideas. I mean, who would have thought that people would sit there and listen to a three-hour episode of, of, of two people talking, you know? TV up to that point had been so segmented and short and ADD, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, I guess all the Ritalin caught up with us and the, uh, Adderall caught up with us or whatever, and then all of a sudden we're like, holy shit, I just want to sit down and watch 16 hours of Game of Thrones. You know, people, they have a diet for it. And I think that that's interesting. It's like sometimes I regret only having an hour because I could really, I could sit here and like vamp like Joe Rogan does. I plan out what I say. But Joe Rogan, I don't think he has any notes. He may have a couple of questions he want to ask and so forth. But I mean, or, or topics. But even then, I think it's just like whatever pops in his head. He probably smokes a joint for the show and he's like, whatever pops in there, man. Be awesome. So I think that that is really interesting to hear this news over the weekend where Joe Rogan is part of a news story that doesn't have anything to do with um, like some MMA fight that went awry and Joe Rogan had to check somebody in the audience or something. There should be more stories like that where Joe Rogan checks somebody, you know, some handheld video of Joe Rogan just kicking the piss out of like literally kicking the piss out of somebody. Anyway, um... Powerful JRE. So, Joe's show is so culturally relevant that it puts all podcasts on the map, including us. Um, yeah, so, yeah, everyone everyone wants a clip of Joe saying, hey, you ever tried DMT to them, you know? And as much as I bust Joe's balls, he is culturally relevant, which means we, as podcasters, are culturally irrelevant. Um, Joe has a few more subscribers than I do, but that's fine. Because Joe is relatable to everyone, which makes him popular, which makes him Oprah now. And it's because he's popular. Like a grassroots, that's truly a grassroots thing. If you, if you ever watched those old Joe Rogan episodes, it was so, it was like our first episodes with video. And, uh, you know, he incrementally got better over time and hopefully incrementally will get better over time. Uh, needs some work, obviously, with sound discipline, but that's fine. Um... Uh, but I think that this that news story about Joe Rogan uh, and the Bernie endorsement um, being culturally relevant and in the news is a big is a milestone in many ways. Sure, people have been on podcasts before, and I just think that that because it's the the like the most popular podcast, and uh, because it's Joe Rogan, people are talking about it because everyone listens to Rogan. I'm sure if you know, no matter what your podcast is, is like. Powerful JRE is a podcast other people listen to besides yours, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, wow. I got 15 minutes to vamp, so 15 minutes to kill.
So, I mean, I, I even fantasize about being on the Joe Rogan experience. Three, two, one. And we're live. Madman Lowercase. What's up, man? Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Um, Madman, bro. I'm, I'm just going to come out right, right out with it, bro. Uh, I heard you called me a dick on Twitter. What, what was the other word you called me, Jamie? Tepid. Yeah, tepid. And he glares at me. Um, Joe, listen, I, I got to tell you, honestly, it's like, here's the problem with the internet. The internet is a, is, um, is a place where you are, you don't actually get to meet a person. You don't, you don't get to shake his hand and say, hello, Joe Rogan. Nice to meet you. I'm Scott. What are you made out of granite? You know, uh, you don't know that behind Twitter. You know what I mean? You don't know that. And, uh, you come in there and, you know, you see a big puddle of, uh, you know, a lake, forming under a treadmill, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I ran for so long that I formed Lake Michigan. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that before I called you a dick and tepid. It's like, if, if you attacked me, Joe Rogan, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? That, you know, the Navy doesn't give martial arts training, Joe Rogan. You're, uh, are you going to kick my ass? Please don't. It's like, nah, bro, we're, we're doing a podcast. I'm not going to kick you. I'm just busting you your balls. I'm just trying to bust your balls. <laughs> just trying to bust your balls, bro. So tell me about your show, Shock Monkey Radio. How'd you come up with that name? Um, I, I forget. I think we all came up with the, the name. I don't know. I think I, it, plus it's podcasts, bro. It's podcasts. It's not radio. It's like, I know, but I always wanted to work in radio. And it's a, you know, Joe, it's something I've always wanted to do. And so I, uh, uh, I just want it in name so I could say I'm on a radio show. Because, you know, radio is dying, as you know. You know, the format that's really, really live right now is your format, Joe. Is you're one of the pioneers. You and Adam Carolla and other people really making this stuff mainstream. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'm pretty awesome, aren't I? Yeah. Hey, you ever tried DMT? Why, you got some, Joe Rogan? Well, I mean, I could... Joe, don't get yourself arrested, dumbass. <laughs> All right? You already had people smuggling fruits here from Brazil and shit. All right? Think I'm stupid? But seriously, if you got some, Joe, huh? Yeah, I'll be down after the show. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You want me to light this joint, bro? Um, is it legal here in California? Yeah, yeah, it's, so, it's super legal here, bro. Super legal here, madman. You want, you want, should we light this up? It's like, well, I'm not from, from here, from here in L.A. So um, I live in Virginia. So if I smoke some marijuana here, and I go to Virginia. Can I get arrested for smuggling marijuana over state lines? No, I don't think that's how it works, bro. All right, then light it up, I guess. One hour later. And so, Joe, that's how... That's, that's why I play massive multiplayer online role-playing games. Is to be alone. And I'm sick and fucking tired of all these people saying, Hey, you want a dungeon? Hey, you want to join my guild? It's like, no! I play in these games because I want to be alone. You're a dork, bro. Shut up, Joe Rogan. You, oh, we can fight this out. I mean, you did call me a dick. Well, sometimes you are a dick, and I don't understand your position on circumcision. I mean, if, if, you, if you have a son, I know you don't have a son. You only have daughters, and I don't think you thought about this uh, all the way through. You know, do you want your son, you know, to be born? You're like, oh, we're not going to cut him. Cutting him is wrong. You know, it's genital, genital mutilation. Fine. Are you going to clean his penis every day until he can do it for himself? Handling your boy's junk? What if you're not there? Can your wife do it? What if you got to go on a business trip? You're torn in Vancouver. 
telling jokes. Your wife going to be sitting there pulling the foreskin back on your son's dick until he's old enough to do it himself? How old do you think that is? It can get uncomfortable. And then later in life, he can have all sorts of infections and so forth if he doesn't keep it clean by himself because he's an irresponsible teenager, preteen. And then when he gets older and he's dying on his deathbed because his dick sealed up, his foreskin sealed up. What you going to do, Joe Rogan? What you going to do, cocksucker? Hey, Joey Diaz got here. What you going to do, cocksucker? Yeah, you going to clean your son's penis. <laughs> I'd rather watch, yeah. I'd rather watch uh, Joey Diaz and <laughs> Joe Rogan talking than me and anyone. What you doing, cocksucker? You're going you're gonna to circumcise your boy? That ain't right. That ain't right, Joe Rogan. That ain't right, Joe Rogan. Yeah, I would like, I mean, does anyone else fantasize about doing that? Am I the only one? Ooh, sharp. Mm. Yeah, you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com if you have any comments. I'll, I'll have, usually have a mailbag if I don't, if, uh, if I got time or if I get something interesting. Madman at fxbgpr.com. Um, I also want to tell you about our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. There you'll find all of our uh, uh, content Complete video content. If you become a patron, you get the complete video content. Last week, we I was super excited about all the excuse me, all the new features we got going on. We got so many new features, it is spooky. That's a shame it doesn't come through the line. <laughs> it is spooky, and so uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's like it's a little. I feel like that picked up in the microphone, though. It picked up in the microphone a little bit. Loud. Yeah. It wasn't great. Um, yeah, go over there, become a patron. Um, you can also, you, you know, you can do donate as much as you want per month. If you want to drop a C note on us, you can get hijacked the news worth knowing in the second half hour. Pick the topics we talk about. Or even, like, if you want, I guess you, you could pick whatever we talk about for the half hour if you hijack the news worth knowing. You pick it. If you want me sitting here saying the word poop over and over again. For 30 minutes. I'll, I will do it for a scene out. Alright. So, yeah. And the only reason I mention Joe, Ro Joe Rogan is tepid is because he is. And that's why he's popular. I am not tepid. I don't mean tepid as an insult, Joe Rogan. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what that word meant. That's right, Joe. I, I bet you didn't know what that word mean. means. Oh, he's so going to kick my ass if I ever meet him. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me, Joe Rogan. Mm. I also got a Teespring. You can go to teespring.com slash store slash the Madman lowercase. You can get t-shirts like this one. It's like a Shock Monkey logo on the back. Uh, yeah, we got a bunch, of, a bunch of different stuff that says FXVG Public Radio on it. Tote bags and shit like that. So check, check that out. <clears throat> yes, sir. Oh, boy. Really, uh, really sucking today. It's a pretty sh pretty shitty show today. Sorry. All right. It was a slow news week. It is, it is a slow news week. Boy, I really don't care much about it. So we'll just, uh, we'll try to get into it this early. See how it goes. See if we can draw out some of these stories. So, uh, let's reluctantly go to the news worth knowing. All right. So everyone's talking about the coronavirus, right? And apparently it is 
in, inside beers and you can counteract it by shoving a lime into the beer. That's, that's the information I got. The, apparently something about the citric acid that's specifically in limes will protect you from the coronavirus. I'm kidding, of course. Take this as seriously as the stand. Um, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, on Tuesday, that's today, announced its updated travel recommendations for China amid the outbreak of the of novel coronavirus. Novel? Novel? The coronavirus. In a statement provided to Fox News, the health the federal health agency said it is now recommending that travelers avoid all non-essential travel to all of China in response to the outbreak, which has killed some 106 people and sickened thousands of others worldwide. At least five cases have also been confirmed in the U.S. The warning, a level three travel health notice, has been had been updated from a level two in which the CDC recommend travelers uh, practice enhanced precautions. If people must go to China, the CDC recommends the following. Avoid contact with sick people. Discuss travel to China with your health care provider. Older adults and travelers with underlying health issues may be at risk for, uh, for more severe disease. Yeah, the young and the old, they catch these things first, you know, because, uh, you know, their immune system. Systems aren't as strong. Uh, avoid animals, alive or dead. Animal markets and products that come from animals such as uncooked meat. So avoid China, just generally. Uh, wash hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer if soap and water are not available. The news comes after the U.S. State Department on Monday urged Americans to consider traveling, reconsider traveling to Wuhan. Uh, the Chinese city at the center of the outbreak. It is also said it has ordered the departure of all non-emergency U.S. personnel and their families out of the country. The travel advisory increase from two, level 2 to level 3 comes as Chinese authorities continue to impose quarantines and travel restrictions in and around Wuhan. So I guess I'll see you all in Boulder. The world's coming to an end. I mean, just a few few weeks ago, you know, they thought it was going to be World War III. Now it could be a pandem pandemic or something like that. So, uh, or it could be, you know, climate change in the next eight years. So who knows what's really going to happen? Um, what I'm guessing is that the world's not going to end. You know, even if it gets to a uh, pandemic level uh, situation, I don't think that we're going to die off as a civilization. Uh, humanity is going to survive, and uh, even, no matter what happens, really, you know, people survived the flood, you know, the great flood, all, all historical accounts, you know, is what happened, the earth started warming up real quick, global warming situation of, of real consequence, a global, global warming situation of real consequence, where a bunch of water started melting at the poles, and it flooded, it, like, all the low-lying areas where a bunch of cities and stuff were, and I'm sure you're going to find a bunch, of, a bunch of cities being found, like, in the Mediterranean and shit like that. And so, uh, yeah, and humanity is going to survive, you know, even if, uh, I think that's what's interesting. I think that's the story of the Ark is interesting is because that human humanity, uh, even if it gets wiped out, like 99% wiped out, we all could repopulate the earth and re rediscover technology. It's kind of interesting. Anyway. I'm not saying that, you know, it's a good thing. People are going to die. It's a good thing. Call the herd. Call the herd. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that um, don't think that the world's going to end over some bullshit like this. Um, 
First of all, you don't live in China. Uh, China's apparently been pretty good about warning people about this, but it's got like a, a you know, it's like a flu. It's got like a two-week, uh, what's that called, uh, gestation period or whatever. China did fine. It was the World Health Organization that flew it. WHO, what? They underreported it. Yeah. The WHO didn't say it was as bad as it actually was. Yeah. And, um, that's, uh, that's on them, dummies. Um, it's a shame because, you know, the, uh, uh, China's just so densely packed, you know, it's just one of those nations. It's, I guess it's not as densely packed as, like, uh, Japan. I hear Japan's, like, real, real crowded. But, um, yeah, Wuhan. Uh, yeah, apparently there's like a, a bio facility there or something like that. I mean, boy, this, it, this is like the beginning of The Stand. You read Stephen King's The Stand, right? Yeah, good book. You read it? Oh, God. Yeah, good book. Poor bastard. I watched the movie and that was too long. It's not that the great. The movie was great. No, it wasn't. Steve, Stephen King's books, I mean, jeez, Dave, Dave Chappelle. Dave Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. I thought you were going to say Dave Chappelle. It's like, what? Where's this going? Dave Chappelle and Ben Shapiro, they told me <laughs> at the same time, like in unison, that's a horrible movie. What was I saying? Ben Shapiro even said that The Stand is a horrible, horrible story because it's a Stephen King story. And it's just everything blows up at the end. You know, it's, it's a really good premise, really good idea, and then all of a sudden she's just like, I don't know what to do. Blow it up. You know. Fair. Hell of a point. Hell of a point. At least I know how to end a story. Like this story. So, um, yeah, I don't think the pandem pandemic's coming. I think it's interesting that uh, people are buying, like, uh, the surgical masks. Nice. Doomsday preppers. What was that? Uh, what was that movie? Contagion? Contagion with, uh, where Gwyneth Paltrow died? Gwyneth Paltrow was patient zero, and I forget who it was. Anyway, I don't think it's going to go like that. You know, I think it, if anything, it's going to be more like 12 Monkeys, you know. <laughs> and it's a supervillain plot. I love that scene in uh, 12 Monkeys where you go, wipe out the human race. It's a good idea. It's great. It's a great idea. <laughs> it's like. How can you be all in on it? I don't care if you're in a mental institution. I can be all in. That movie was, hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. <laughs> hey, Bob. You got night, lots of drugs? Good pussy? <laughs> <laughs> they forced me to take drugs. But tell me about the pussy. <laughs> that sucks. Sometimes there's, sometimes there's a dude like that. I don't care about the drugs. Tell me about the pussy. <laughs> oh, man. That's the thing about being a voice actor is that you have to have like a uh, very distinctive voice. Very distinctive voice. Um, I think it's funny because I'll watch like old movies or old TV shows and stuff like that and I'll hear a familiar voice and I was like, what the? And I'll sit there and I'll like uh, close my eyes and I'll back it up and I'll play it and I'll back it up and I'll play it and I'll back it up and I'll list, just listen to it and I was like oh yeah he was the dude from the Twilight Zone episode where he fixed the t he fixes the TV and the guy's giving him a hard time and he goes can't can't win them all 
And that was his bit part. You know, he was a, a famous actor. That was his bit part. But the uh, the television started playing like all the, all these this guys like cheating on his wife and shit. And it's playing scenes. And I was just like, how is that even possible with other than magic? Magic. That was a problem. That was a problem with a lot of those Twilight Zone episodes is that they uh, they just said, you know, fucking magic and just let it be, you know. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, I think it's better to do it that way than it is to do it the Stephen King way where it's just like, uh, well, I'll just blow up a nuke in Las Vegas, fuck it, you know. And so uh, I uh, there, is a, there is a way to end a story and uh, you got to do it. You got to do it right. Stephen King, the most overpaid wordsmith. And boy, did he crank him out. Jesus. Just writing words and words and words. And it shows. Like, holy cow. Overly descriptive. If you read my books, the Exit 13 series, and if I start getting serious paychecks, I'll continue the series. Fools. Until then, this is a better medium, believe it or not, for a writer of my caliber. But if you read my Exit 13 books, you can find them on Amazon for digital download. Um, search for Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. If you read them, it's like I'm not very overly descriptive. You know, I, I, I like writers that allow for your imagination. You know, if, if, he, if he describes the wall as being green, and I'm thinking, it's like I totally thought, I thought, I totally thought that wall was blue, bro. Totally. You're ruining my experience. Instead, I like to give you a, a framework of characters and ideas and what their, their actions and um, let you fill in the blanks of what the, what the carpet looks like and so forth. And when you read a book that has shit like that, there are people describing what the carpet looks like, unless it has some sort of intricate plot. It's like the weaver, the weaver of this carpet. He left clues to a secret treasure. It's hidden within the threads. We got to examine it closely. Unless it's like a plot device, there's no reason for you to be describing carpet. Okay? The carpet was dirty and dingy. When you pressed your face up against it, it scratched, it scratched your cheek. It smelled like people's feet. Yeah. Way too much in depth. It's like, it's like showing somebody throw up on a, in a movie. Why? There's no need to do that. There's no need to do that. That's gross. Anyway. <laughs> I think the only way, it, the only time it was ever done tastefully was in Saving Private Ryan. You know? Because, you know, you just see a little bit up Chuck and that's it. Guys were nervous. You didn't get to see the puke swimming around in the salt water at your feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is probably how it was. Ah, oh, man. You know, it's funny. It's like we talk about that generation a lot. We talk about the generation of the people who actually went and fought the Nazis. You know, the greatest generation. The people who actually went and fought the Nazis. Now everyone's saying that there's Nazis everywhere. And I'm telling you, I think we did a really good job of, like, reducing their numbers back in, like, 1945. So, um, I wouldn't be too... So you got a whole generation of kids wanting to go off to fight to fight a war against true evil. And so, um, but there's a drastic shortage of Nazis to punch. So that's why you get these stupid-ass kids freaking out because there's no real 
um, conflict for their generation to deal with. You know, me, we, we had the conflict we had was grunge music. I think, in my perspective, I think that's the conflict my generation had to deal with. It was like grunge music. It was like music was good, then it went shitty, and then people started cutting themselves and dyeing their hair black and not showering for days. I mean, it was miserable. People were real upset about the state of music. Once grunge came out, everyone was like, oh, I'm, I'm not showering. I'm going to dye my hair blue, you know, get a nose ring, wear flannels every day. It was horrible. People were so depressed. Listen, listen to these songs. Listen to a Counting Crows album, for God's sakes. Even Mr. Jones, their their big hit. That's a sad fucking song. That's a depressing song. That Mr. Jones and me is a guy talking to himself or his dick, or his dick. It's like I'm look at the beautiful women. They don't like me. It's just, it's just me and you, Mr. Jones. You know, seriously, seriously. At least Peter Gabriel had the. It was like a, there was a, a consensual relationship going on. Hey, baby, let me show you my sledgehammer. You know, it's, that wasn't so lonely and sad. You know, uh, Mr. Jones is like, a, a take the drum beat away and it's some dude jerking off with his own tears. So, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of, everyone, and then there's like, a, then all of a, like their hits are like, round here. And, uh. What was the other one uh, from the other album? It's uh, Long December. You know, like, why do, they, why do they write such good sad songs? It's like, because they've always re- played sad songs. What the hell? Just because it's upbeat. You know, la, 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 la. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny about, what was his name? Adam Duritz? What was his name? Adam Duritz? The way he said yeah, is like he changed it up every time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every time it was every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> the way you pronounce it. Round here. It just sounds like a horrible. Just a, round here. We always stay up late. Round here. Something radiates. <laughs> I wonder if I actually met him and that's how he talks. How you doing, Adam? I really love I, I really love Counting Crows. I really like that you like my music. It'd be horrible. It's like, ugh. So basically like a guitar player just learned how to play along while you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure meeting you. In sequential order, how did you feel about the movies in the MCU universe? Na 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 yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Interesting that you only like the last two of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> what else was depressing? Nirvana. Don't get me started on Nirvana. I'm sorry I'm interrupting the news worth no one just ranted for a while. I mean, because uh, I think if you know me, you know I have a very, very deep hatred of Nirvana. Um, basically, life was great. We were living in the 80s. It was, uh, you know, uh, in excess. It was a world of in excess and fine young cannibals that we were. Beautiful stuff. It's way better than what EK could do. Trust me. I love the fine young cannibals. I loved in excess. You know, it's a shame. You know, 
how all of a sudden some mumbling, dirty idiot just got on TV and just took youth culture by, by storm and in a disgusting, horrible, self-indulgent dire direction. But here's the thing about the 90s is that we had that self-indulgent direction where people were cutting themselves in quiet. Now, I'm not saying this is better than what people are doing today. What people are doing today is they are taking their outrage, their anger and stuff like that, and they're taking it out into, out into the streets saying, hey, you're doing this wrong. You got to live the way I think you should live. Just go home and cut yourself. I'm not no, don't do that. That's the wrong thing to say. What I mean is that we internalized. My, genera my generation internalized. And when we felt, when we felt horrible is because accountability was crashing down upon us as adults growing up. And that's what happens when you become an adult. Accountability crash downs on, crashes down on you in your adolescence when you start becoming a teenager and you start realizing, like, oh, shit, I'm actually going to have to take, take charge of my life. And that's a tough transition. As a child with a not fully formed brain, as a teenager and not fully formed brain, into what makes you at 25, you know? And so when you can join the military, you can go off to college when you get 18 or something like that and get a little bit of a, a taste of what, you know, taking, you know, taking control of your life is like, even though somebody's helping you along. Whether you go to college or whether you go in the military, you know, they're taking, helping you take control of your life by showing you a certain way. And that's always, that's a good thing. And then eventually you can, you can become like a self-sustaining and, you know, self-sufficient. And, and that's a good thing. But a lot of these kids, they aren't doing that these days. They're not learning how to do that. They're, they're being protected all the way up until, I mean, I know I'm, I'm the, I know I'm the guy, you know, living in his parents' basement, doing podcasts, hoping to make it big. Like I'm fucking Joe Rogan. You know, I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not that tepid. I'm, I'm not lukewarm. I'm hot, super hot, like in a bear way, like in a Burt Kreischer way. The machine. Yeah. Anyway, so let me tell you about how I got involved with the Russian mafia. I didn't. Um, I never would have got a security clearance. Um, I always thought about that. The first time I heard the Burt Kreischer the machine story, I was just like, I wonder, I wonder if they would give him a security clearance. I hire him as a double agent. Anyway, um, yeah, I killed a bunch of time with my rant there. Um, anyway, so I don't know why people aren't talking about this as much. Uh, swastikas and fuck Jews graffiti found scrawled inside. New York City apartment building amid, amid spike in anti-Semitism. Okay, hours before New York City, City Mayor Bill de Blasio declared we need to stamp anti-Semitism out, once and for all, authorities in the city were investigating another possible anti-Semitic hate crime. Oops, went too far. Um, Brandy Goldstein who said her family members died in the Holocaust, found swastikas and profanity-laced anti-Semitic graffiti Monday inside her Lower East Side apartment building located across the street from a synagogue. Quote, I am horrified. I'm scared not only for having it right outside my door, but for the children that live here, Goldstein told NBC4. This should not be swept under any floor or any rugs. Everybody needs to see this. Uh, she told the local news the majority of the residents in the building are Jewish and she questions the timing. It was discovered on Holocaust Remembrance Day during the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz concentration camp during World War II. The NYPD tweeted Monday night that anti-Semitic acts will not be tolerated in our community. This incident will be thoroughly investigated. As of Tuesday morning, police told Fox News that there have been no arrests, nor is there a person of interest. 
Attorney General Bill Barr is set to address the spike in anti-Semitic incidents across the New York region during a visit to Brooklyn on Tuesday. In December, a deranged man is accused of stabbing five Hasidic Jews uh, with a machete at a rabbi's home in Monsey. Sorry, New York, I don't know you that well. M-O-N-S-E-Y? Monsey? Monsey? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, early in the month, and a shooting at a kosher supermarket in Jersey City left three dead. Um, now, I don't know if you heard about the stories, but those, those things happened. There was a, a kosher supermarket. People, like, got shot. You don't hear about it a lot. And I think a lot of people aren't really honest about who the racists are. The, um... I think it was like after the Emancipation Proclamation, a bunch of people freaked out in New York, New York City, same city, by the way, um, and like lynched a bunch of black people and slaves in New York. That was uh, your urban liberals, by the way. Uh, a bunch of Southern Democrats got pissed off about the Emancipation, Democra uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Those Southern Democrats took over the South state governments in the South, and seceded from the Union, resulting in the Civil War. Jim Crow laws were put through by Democrats. Know your history, so I'll never understand why minorities think that Republicans are the racists. I'm sorry, city dwellers. I, I love you, thank you for being American, but you know, city, I don't think city dwelling is the way to live. And when you see like what... What liberal policies in urban centers really results in, and that's a ton of homelessness, dirty streets, crime out of control, constant murders. I mean, granted, this, it's not like it's India, all right, where there's rape gangs and so forth or anything like that. But uh, anyway, but, you know, this, uh, this upsurge, this new, new resurgence of anti-Semitism um, in a lot of ways, is not necessarily about uh, white supremacists. White, it's not necessarily white supremacists. It's, it's, to be honest, a lot of it's coming from uh, the black Hebrew Israelite community, which are... Uh, the only thing I can say about them is that they think that the, the Jews in Israel are not the real Jews, and they are the true lost tribe of Israel. Black people are the true lost tribe of Israel. Take that as you will, and so therefore, it's okay for them to dislike Jews. And I just, I don't understand it. I mean, I, most Jews I've met are nice. And I don't like people who, who get bullied. I, I don't like it when people get bullied. And if there's any, any group of people that's been historically bullied throughout the eons, it's been the Jews. I don't like bullies. I don't like it. All right, let's have a laugh here. A uh, vegetarian food company develops a nicotine-like meat patch to help curb cravings. Having trouble sticking to your vegetarian diet for vegan annuary? Ugh. Is that a thing? Vegan annuary? Ugh. If it is, I hate it. Yeah, perhaps a meat patch could help. <laughs> yeah. uh, Strong Roots, an Irish vegetarian frozen food brand has teamed up with an Oxford professor to develop an adhesive patch similar in appearance to a nicotine patch that can allegedly help curb, curb cravings for bacon. 
However, unlike a nicotine patch, which releases nicotine via transdermal means, the Strong Roots meat patch simply releases the odor of bacon after being scratched by the wear. So it's a scratch and sniff sticker. That's what we're, that's what we're saying? Scratch and sniff sticker? All right. Quote, Our sense of smell is strongly connected with our ability to taste, therefore experiencing food-related cues such as smelling the bacon aroma can lead, to, lead us to imagine the act of eating that food claims Charles Spence, professor of experimental uh, psychology for Oxford, in a statement that obtained by the Telegraph. Oh, I should have used a British accent. Imagine eating enough bacon, you might find yourself satiated. Sated. How do you say that? Sated? Satiated? Sated? Sated. He added. That's a new one. Gotta look that up later. Um, The scratch and sniff patches, which are currently in a trial phase, are aimed at folks... Interested in experimenting with a plant-based diet, said Samuel Dunnigan, the founder of Strong Roots. Um, Brits keen to adopt a vegetarian diet are about to get scientifically proven help to wean them off their love of meat. I don't know. Aren't vegans, like, don't they get, like, offended by the smell of bacon? Or are they, like, is that, like, their kryptonite? I think it's probably, like, their kryptonite with vegans. It's like, no, don't wave the bacon. No, they're cooking bacon. No, my only weakness. And they just, they're just, their meat cells just say, no, the carnivore in them just like, no, take it, take the bacon. So I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, I just know it's kind of silly to have a scratch and sniff a sticker on your arm. So that it, in an attempt to avoid eating bacon by smelling bacon all day, which in, in my eyes, I don't think that's ever going to work because the smell of bacon just makes me want bacon. And I think that that's a, a human impulse. I think that that's a, it's, it's ingrained in all of us. When you smell bacon, you're like, must eat. Even you vegetarians know that. Even you vegetarians. You know it deep down in your soul. When you smell bacon, their first impulse is, eat it. And then you start thinking about the poor little pig, the cute little piglets. Not the big fat ones that you will eat anything, human bodies included. You don't think about that, do you? That's what I mean. It's like uh, every every time a pig gets slaughtered, there should be some dude that's like, yeah, I dropped my wallet in the pen. And you ate that fucking thing up, didn't you? you now you get what's coming to you, piggy. piggy. You're going to be a pork chop. Anyway, so here's a sad story. I'm a lonely guy myself, and so I can kind of identify with this this uh, this story. Um, a German woman uses Tinder to find help after getting stuck at Europe's most northern point. Uh, a German thrill seeker on a trip through Europe turned to a popular dating app as a tool for help after extreme weather caused her camper to get dangerously stuck on the side of a mountain in northern Norway. Lania Hager, a self-proclaimed adventure hunter, was traveling to Lofoten after visiting the North Cape, located on the island of Madroya. Madroya? where she and a fellow traveler found themselves trapped in an icy mountainside. That means her boyfriend. That means her boyfriend. I guarantee it. Her fellow traveler was her boyfriend or, and or husband. Or husband. Just, uh, quote, just after 30 minutes of driving down of the North Cape, it started raining. Uh, the street iced up and we couldn't even stay on one point, Hager said in an Instagram post. The, uh, the worst, we stopped in front of a mountain... Wow, the translation's horrible. We stopped in front of a mountain going down next to the street, just ocean and big rocks, 
rocks, and we stopped exactly behind a curve. Wow, the syntax of the translator is horrible, or the meter, I guess. Uh, Hager said she felt helpless against Mother Nature, and she was concerned that at any moment another car traveling down the hill would crash into them or worse, and that her camper might slide off the hillside, uh, cliffside into the waters below. That's when Hager's friend, Phil, came up with the idea to help, uh, of looking for, her help, for looking for help on Tinder. Phil had a weird but actually genius idea to create a Tinder account with me and this fluffy cutie. Uh, it's their, their dog, I think. Tinder. Yeah, it's just a bunch of pictures of her playing with her dog in the snow, which are cute. And she's kind of cute. Kind of got that German. Yeah, I'll be your friend. I'll take off my clothes. Um, uh, she said that five minutes after creating the account, she matched with Stian Lauluten. And five minutes after that, she came to arrest. He came to a rescue with a bulldozer. Hager said he shaped the lines in the ice for the camper and took them into a parking lot, where he fixed their tires to spikes. He created treads. You know, with a bulldozer, you can sit there and just go <laughs> put little grooves in the ice. So I've seen it done before. Holy shit! I lived up in New York. I've seen this shit. where they just create a little path for you. Uh, she thanked him for the help, calling him our hero. He responded, he responded by saying, I'm glad I could help you guys. Have a nice trip and stay safe on the ice roads of Norway. Uh, before her epic adventure, Hager said she, uh, she spent three days driving through Germany, Denmark, Sweden, and Finland before re uh, reaching the North Cape, which is considered the northernmost point in Europe. So here's the point. This guy, he lives at the northernmost point in the world in Europe, lonely, on Tinder, swiping Tinder at that very moment or looking at it, and then all of a sudden he's... So that, mean, that means that she went through and like uh, like swiped right on every dude in that radius. Probably even women, too. Every dude within her radius on Tinder said, yes, 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 yes. Until finally somebody saw her and was like, yes. And then she's like, goes right in the DMs. She's like, hey, I need help. And it's like, yeah, I can help you, baby. No, 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 no. I'm stuck in here, out here in the snow. Yeah. You want me to plow you out? Yes, please. Oh, I'm going to come and plow you out so good. I'm going to plow you out so good. Where are you? Off, the, off this road. He comes out there and he's like, wait, it's snowing. Are you, you seriously need to be plowed out? Yeah, like actually plowed out. All right, I'll be on my way. And then he's on the way. He's out there and he, he's driving out there in his bulldozer. He's like, I'm going to help this girl. And we're going to get it back to my cabin. We're going to get some hot cocoa. We're going to get close and cuddly and stuff like that. And he pulls up and he's like out there with a the bulldozer and he sees a dude. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. I've been catfished. Yep. You have. Anyway, we've got two more stories here. So, a uh, serial pooper in Massachusetts has been caught. Now, if you can, go look this up. Because this woman looks the part. If you catch a serial pooper, that, ladies and gentlemen, is what a serial pooper looks like. I guarantee it. It makes perfect sense. Okay. So... Yeah, Massachusetts woman accused of defecating in the parking lot at a local Natick store um, for months was arrested Wednesday when she was caught in the act. Uh, so that means they had people hanging around the store looking for somebody pooping. Andrea Grosser, 51, is charged with eight counts of wanton destruction property after a Natick police officer said he saw her defecating outside, outside the outdoor store around 7 a.m., WYCN reported. Police were first alerted to the serial pooper in December 
when Henry Canner, the store's owner, reported human feces there. How can you tell the difference? Is it just the size? How, and how long are you standing there looking at the poo going? That's too big for a dog. Not big enough for a horse. Could be a large pig? Maybe a mule? I should give it a taste, see what, you know, I mean, how the hell can you tell if it's human? Or maybe they just saw glimpses of some lady, weird looking lady that looks ex exactly like a cereal pooper. You know, I know, I know what the cereal poopers look like in that. That's a cereal pooper. You want to know how I got these scars? Anyway, so uh, justice served, I suppose. Cereal pooper. All right, three minutes left. I'm use, I usually like to end up with a happy story. Uh, Vermont Moose is rescued from active railroad tracks. Damn Bernie supporters. Anyway, on Wednesday, a moose was rescued from an active railroad bridge in Vermont thanks to a cross-team effort between the state's uh, Fish and Wildlife Department, train crews, local fish fire department, and more. Nice. Patriot Act. Um, the animal was ultimately found to have uh, minimal injuries and relocated. He was caught, but you know how they switch tracks and stuff like that, and they get caught. You know, that happens. Uh, but here's the thing. They had to sedate him, because I don't know about you, but a moose will probably rip off its own foot if he got scared, and there's a bunch of humans around. It's like, we're trying to get you loose, buddy, and then just goes wild. Anyway, here we go. Uh, that morning, the FWD, Fish, Fish and Wildlife uh, Department, learned that the moose was stuck on the bridge in the Ludlow Cavendish area and soon departed, uh, deployed a team of local game wardens and wildlife biologists to investigate. This is from the Associated Press. Uh, receiving backup from the Vermont Rail System crew, the Springfield Fire Department and officials in the, from the town of Cavendish, a massive mammal, the massive mammal was successfully sedated and lifted with a railroad crane truck. Damn, they brought a crane truck for him. Those things are big, though. You know, they are like 800 pounds or some shit. Um, moose carried down the track miles from town, un unloading at a safe place in the woods, they said in a Facebook video. Quote, after some time and careful monitoring, the mo moose was back on his feet. The Vermont FDW, FWD excuse me, further explained that the primary focus on population threat-level threats of the species making situations like the moose uh, rescue rare given the uh, risk inherent to both the animal and the responders. That's why this is dated them. Uh, quote, such recoveries in, are many times not successful. It's great to see that in this case, it ended well for the, uh, those involved and a very fortunate moose. Great job by all. Special blah, 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 blah. Special thanks. So, here's the point, is that a lot of times this doesn't go well. That means, like, um, some guy, that there's a couple of people who are standing close to a moose that's stuck somewhere, you know, because these things are huge and powerful. And so um, they'll come up to the moose, and they got two guys next to him. But then, some for some reason, that cologne the dude comes on that's coming to try to sedate him is just too much for the moose. And the moose loses his shit and just starts bucking like crazy. A couple people get knocked down, and they're like, "Fuck it, you're on your own, moose." <laughs> I guarantee you, that's how it goes down. It's Vermont, you know. We we did our part, God. We did our part. We tried. <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry, I've been, you know, been uh, kind of ADD today. You know, it's been crazy lately. 
So, um, yeah, I want to remind you, go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. It'll help us out a lot. Uh, search for my books, amazon.com, for digital download. Uh, you can find me under the name Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. That's Scott L. Robbins. Uh, buy, my, buy my book. Anyway, so this has been Shock Monkey Radio. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about us. Like, share, and subscribe any videos you find on YouTube. Look for Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. Um, yeah, I'm the Madman, and I love you. Bye.